What's up? Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 62, and today we are going to cover one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, Ephesians 5. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So why is this one of your favorite chapters in the whole Bible? Oh my goodness, there's so much good stuff in it. Like we've talked about these chapters, God, um, not God, well, God through Paul is, you know, telling us what it looks like to live out the gospel. And so I love how practical it is. I love how applicable it is. And um, we'll talk about marriage. We'll talk about just daily life, how to walk out daily life in light of the gospel. And it's just jam-packed with good stuff. Yep, it's a good one. Yeah. So like Aaron said, we're looking at how to live in light of the gospel. So just look, recap first three chapters are giving us a foundation of what the gospel is, the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. Um, and then the last three chapters are how to live in light of that. Last week we talked about um, some different characteristics that Paul was telling us to put off and put on mm-hmm. and just how to really um, walk out in um, unity mm-hmm. as a church and as one body of of Christ and just just what that looks like. So this week we're going to kind of continue with mm-hmm. that same theme. Mm-hmm. So these first couple verses, like we said at the end of last episode, are two of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And hopefully you spent some time really um, just soaking them up this week in different translations and working on memorizing them. So we'll just start there with the first two verses. Um, I'm going to read it first in ESV and then we'll read it later. And um, I keep wanting to call it MSG. <laughs> It's the message, but it's like the abbreviation is MSG. And so she said MSG and I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Oh, because MSG is a thing. MSG is bad. Yeah. Okay. So it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So these first two verses kind of set up the rest of the chapter. So it's kind of like the thesis statement, you know, like remember back in college where you'd write a paper and you had like mm-hmm. your thesis statement at the front or or you can kind of think of it as like the lens to view the rest of the chapter. He's saying, be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And then now he's going to tell us like, okay, what does that mean? How does that actually, how do we actually do that in our, in our everyday life? So Hopefully you spent some time kind of absorbing these verses over the last couple of weeks and we're going to kind of just now break it down. And so it's it's no easy task, right? It just no. says like love Christ as as he loved or love others as Christ loved us. Like that sounds super easy, right? Sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> but like what is that? What is that? How does that? affect us like so okay it's you know it's your Tuesday night and you you've made three different dinners because your kids want one thing and your husband wants one thing and your other kid wants one thing and nobody does that right no I'm the only one okay (laughs) um and so you're frustrated and then you make you know your kid says they want chicken nuggets and they're like no I don't want chicken nuggets I want what they're having and you're like ah like what what does it mean for us to to actually you know walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for it for us like can you think of maybe like a personal example? 
Well, I mean, I think in those situations, because I mean, that's an everyday thing, mm-hmm. getting frustrated or irritated with my kids or my husband. And I think in those minutes, those moments, um, just taking a deep breath and, and going back to the old WWJD thing, like sometimes <laughs> yeah. I really do think that. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. we should bring those bracelets back. Yes, yes. <laughs> My friend Amanda this week, actually, she was using it. We were doing a craft, and her friend Julie um, is a really good crafter. And so she was like, hmm, WWJD. And I was like, what would Jesus do? She's like, no, what would Julie do? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> Same letter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's, you know, thinking about, how do I love them in this moment the same way God mm. loves me? Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about last week when I'm aggravating him, yeah. like when yeah. I'm going against everything his word says to do and everything I know to be true with that patience and mm-hmm. that love and that humility and just that self-sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to, to, to say these things out loud because it's really hard to do. Yeah. Like it's easy to sit here and say in this room when, you know, it's just the two of us and our kids aren't here doing things like Mm -hmm. it's, it's easy to say this, but to actually live it out, it is so tough. But I think that that is what loving others like Jesus looks like. And if you, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other examples, like at the grocery store, if someone cuts you off when you're trying Mm -hmm. to get into a parking spot, it's just, you know, saying, okay, like good for them. They got a spot closer (laughs) to the door. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. I think that constant Mm self-sacrifice, like, and it's just so hard. Yeah. But that's a really good point. So if we're looking at like, Okay, it says to love like Jesus loved. Like, how did Jesus love? And like you're saying, he loved sacrificially. He loved in truth. He loved in grace. And he was, you know, he did it full of joy. And I think, you know, as moms, if you're a mom or, you know, you might think, okay, well, I'm really good at loving sacrificially or I'm really good at being full of joy or I'm really good at treat. Like you might feel like, okay, I've kind of got this one, but man, this one is really Mm -hmm. sticking out to me. So maybe pray over those, those four ways that we see Jesus love sacrificially in truth in grace and full of joy and see which one, like the Holy Spirit's kind of asking you to maybe grow in. And I think, you know, the full of joy one is a little bit tricky because I feel like, okay, I can, you know, Mm self-sacrifice and do another thing that seems like annoyance to me or, you know, clean up another mess or whatever that might look like. And okay, I'm sacrificing what I want to do in order to love them. But do I do it joyfully? And do Mm -hmm. I do it with like with a sense of purpose, like Jesus did knowing, you know, that it's all for God's glory and that it's making me more like Christ, not in a way to gain for myself, but like the verse is like, to give myself up to serve to be a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God just like like Jesus did and full disclaimer here like we're never going to do this perfectly yeah yeah um so we don't want this to feel like another burden you know like sometimes it can Mm -hmm. feel like oh I'm not doing this well enough um and and like we talked about before, that's that's not the point of these chapters is Paul is not trying to just give us another list of things to live up to. But instead, he's saying, hey, this is your identity because of the gospel. And now you're going to grow in these mm-hmm. things. You're not going to mm-hmm. master them because, you know, but we are one degree of glory. You know, we've talked about that before in the show, like we are being transformed into the image of Christ, like one degree of glory to the next and that, you know, the more time we spend with Jesus, there's a, a phrase that I've heard a couple different pastors say that I really love. It's like, you become what you behold. Yes. And so when we're beholding Christ, we're going to, 
just naturally because of being filled with the spirit become more like him. And so loving in this way, sacrificially in truth and grace and full of joy is going to become more natural for Mm -hmm. us the longer we spend time with Jesus. I think that's a really good point. I think that at the end of the day, when you're getting in bed and you think, wow, I did a really horrible job at Mm -hmm. showing my kids Jesus today. I think that it's in those moments that, that we, need to rest in the grace that God's given us and realize that we can grow in that and we can try again tomorrow. But, but this isn't for the purpose of guilt or shame. Right. Right. That's not, that's not what, um, I I don't think that's what Paul was wanting to do. And I know that's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to live in that shame, but he does want us to grow. Yeah. And that's a really good point. One of my favorite, favorite things I've heard about, um, parenting, like you were saying, if you're at night thinking I didn't do a good job showing my children, Jesus, that is the perfect opportunity to show them you need Jesus. Yes, absolutely. Your children might, you know, think of you as Jesus. They Mm -hmm. might think of you as perfect perfect or sinless or not needing a savior, but it's so important for us as moms when we fail to say, you know what, girls, you know, mommy was not very patient with you today, but that's because mommy needs Jesus too. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And Jesus's grace covers me just like it covers you. And, you know, I'm trying to be, I'm growing to be more like Jesus. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, um, it's such a, a kindness to us that we can either reflect Jesus or we can show that we need Jesus. Yes, and either way them. is a good thing. <laughs> yes. Right? And it's both a very humbling yes. thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So one thing we talked about is maybe memorizing this in the message. And I really like the way the message um, translate this. You want to read it, Casey? Yeah. Watch what God does and then you will, and then do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Ah, doesn't that just sound so mm-hmm awesome yes like yes. i love how it talks out talks blah, blah, starts out by talking about how children learn proper behavior from your parents and you might automatically begin like oh no like <laughs> no. they're gonna able to learn my behavior but yeah. you know what he's saying here is children just like they learn from their parents because it's who they see most it's who they spend the most time with that's how it should be with god like we're spending our time with god and when we see what god does is mostly what he does is love us so keeping company with him we're gonna just automatically start to exude that Mm, and um it's saying observe how christ loved us and this is my favorite part where it says his love was not cautious but extravagant yes and i think over the top yes and we that should be you know it reminds me of Bob Goff's book, Love Does, mm, yeah. where it's like all these stories of extravagant love. And we we tend to kind of be cautious, like mm-hmm. our love is going to run out. And so we hoard it because mm-hmm. if we give too much to that person, we're, we're not going to have enough for that person. And he's saying, no, like you don't need to be cautious, like, be extravagant with your love. And, you know, this might sound mm-hmm. silly or dumb, but I think it's a really fun practice for us from time to time. Just like think of something crazy and then do it mm-hmm. like to show someone love. Like one of my favorite things is to just like randomly at the store if something makes me think of someone like buy it for them and go leave it on their doorstep anonymously like that kind of stuff where I've it's been the recipient of that <laughs> and it's the sweetest thing like it, it just fills my heart up so much and when it's not a hard that. thing to yeah. do so yeah. you know this is just a personal thing that I'm gonna do but if you maybe if this is like speaking to you like just ask the Lord like how can I love someone extravagantly today or this weekend or like what will that look like to show Christ's love by 
you know, doing something for them full of joy, mm-hmm. sacrificially in truth, in grace, um, and just kind of, it's funny because it ends up being like bringing me more joy than it probably does whoever I'm bringing stuff to. But that's, you know, that's kind of the cool thing yeah. about how love works is like the more love you show, the more love you feel. Yeah. Wow, this sounds super cheesy as I'm talking about <laughs> this right now. But anyways, Good the point stuff. is what he's, what God is saying through this passage is the less time we look at ourselves and the more time we spend gazing at Jesus, we're going to start to naturally mm-hmm. walk in this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, moving on to verse, what verse is this? <laughs> three. <laughs> three. Okay. Three to eight. <laughs> three to eight. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness, uh, covetous, covetousness, covetousness. <laughs> yes. must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolatry has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So we see they must have really struggled with foolish talk. They must have. Joking because yeah. they, we talked about that in mm-hmm. last chapter, yeah. right? At the end mm-hmm. of chapter four, we talked about watching how you talk and letting it be grace for those who hear it. And then we're talking about it again. And it's good that he's talking about it again because I think we all can yes. take reminding of that. Yes. No matter what it is. Like we all can... Mm-hmm can stand to be reminded about that. I read um, this chapter to the, or part of this chapter to the girls this morning before we started school. And I just asked them before I read it, I said, okay, just think as I'm reading what stands out the mm-hmm. most to you. And so I asked Lydia first and I said, what stood out to you? And she said, Thanksgiving. And yeah. I said, what about Thanksgiving? Thinking she might've just picked out that word. Like, was yeah, she the really holiday. listening? Yeah. And she was like, instead of saying mean things, be thankful. Yeah. And I was like, that's exactly yeah. what it's saying. And I had written in my Bible, um, that if you fill, and I think we've talked about this before when we went through Philippians, but if you fill your mind and your heart with Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. then there's not any room for the negative. You can't really have both. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't be spewing out these negative things about others and even yourself and you you can't do that if you're so full of thanksgiving yeah that's good and so yeah I thought that was interesting though that that's what stood out to yeah. Lydia because I think that that is such an important piece of what he's saying yeah here, yeah for sure so we see you know that Paul is reminding them of what he talked about in the first three chapters that they were dead in sin but now they're alive in Christ and so he's reminding them of the gospel and um, that the gospel is the reason to live this way but also the power to live this Mm -hmm. way so we might think okay I understand you know why I should do this or why I should not speak crudely and Mm -hmm. why I should be filled with thanksgiving and now I'm going to do it on my own but that's that's not how it works like the gospel is the reason but also the power to do this and to be the light in the world um and so it's the reason and the power yeah, I think I think that's so important to remember that you can't do it on your own. Yeah. Because when we try to do it on our own, we fail. Mm-hmm. And that happens to me all the time. And mm-hmm. then I realize, wait, like the reason I'm failing right now is because I'm trying to do this on my own. Yeah. So that's good. Like that reminder. Yeah. Um, verse nine through 18. 
Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the day Days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. There's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> Where do you want to start? There is a lot. So I've been thinking a lot lately about this contrast between dark and light. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading that to Jonathan and he was like, wait, did Paul write this or did John write this? Because John talks a uh-huh. whole lot about darkness and light. And um, but I really I've just really been thinking about how like in a dark room, like a pitch black room, even if there's a little flicker of light, it's not completely dark Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. So I've just been thinking about how darkness will always be overcome by the light. Always, always, always. Darkness cannot win. It cannot and will not win. And so that has just been such a comfort to me um, whenever I get like worried or um, whenever I'm just feeling like this heaviness of of all of the um, sadness and sickness and sin in the world. Like I have to remember that Jesus is light. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. That's what it says in Mm -hmm. John. And the light will always, always win. Mm -hmm. And so I liked that part a whole lot. But I was thinking, like, what does this look like practically? Like, how do we live this out? How do we live um, in the light? And I don't know that I completely have an answer to that. Like, I think it's difficult because, um, I don't know, it's hard to be completely transparent without causing um, and doing what it says to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, Mm -hmm. it's hard to always do that with a pure heart Mm. Um, and not cause the disunity like we were talking about last week. So living this transparent life sometimes can be messy. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like people can get hurt. And so this is just kind of my own struggle that I've been dealing with lately is, is how do you like really like just genuinely live in this light and live a transparent life for Jesus um, without causing problems in mm. the process? Like, mm. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Is that the... Do you understand kind of what I'm, yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? I didn't come to that conclusion from this passage, yeah, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I it's see just some saying. stuff that I've been kind of like personally dealing with. So I think yeah. it kind of stood out at yeah. me and he was talking about, um, John Stott was talking about in this commentary. That's one of the things he was specifically talking about that he thinks when it's talking about like living in this light, it's to live transparently yeah. and to really just show Jesus's light to the world. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that can be tricky. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Matt Chandler talks, he has some good stuff on this where he talks about, um, you know, sin that is kept in darkness grows, but sin that is brought to the light can't grow. Yeah. And so like, I think I was thinking more about that. Like that aspect of it is like sin specifically is when you keep it in the darkness, that's where it festers. And that's where the Mm. enemy is allowed to say, you know, you struggle in this. You're the only one like don't bring it to light because when it's brought to light, then community and all of those things can help you to, you know, get rid of that Mm -hmm. sin. So that's kind of more what I was thinking about it is like, don't allow these things to grow for fear of bringing them into the light. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't really know my, I haven't thought about the transparency thing. Yeah, I'm yeah, a pretty transparent person, mm-hmm. but I don't, I didn't think about it as far as like creating disunity. Yeah. I mean, I think that just sometimes, like I said, like, cause we're messy people. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes like expressing like our feelings or opinions or whatever's mm-hmm. going on in our own personal yeah. life, um, isn't always going to make people happy. Yeah. Um, and so Sometimes I'm, I go back to the point where I'm like, well, should we just not share our life Mm. with others because I don't want to upset other people or, um, especially since I'm a pastor's wife, like I don't want people to view things, um, in a negative way, view the church in a negative way, Mm. anything like that. Um, but I think we're called to, to live transparently and in community. I mean, Mm -hmm. you said the word community, I think in community, I think that's important. So anyway, maybe that's, maybe that's a good way to take it. Is it, it doesn't mean like go to the whole world and announce all of your sin, all all of your struggles. Um, because it does say like right in verse 10, it says and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So he says, walk as children of the light and just try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. So maybe try to discern like, who is light yeah. in this mm-hmm. moment, in this right? Moment. Yeah, yeah. The thing that stood out to me from this passage is he's saying, like, don't choose sin. Like, don't yeah. choose sin. And he says, like, pay attention. Like, he says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Like, like, pay attention. And verse 15 says, look then, look carefully how you walk. Mm-hmm. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time. So don't choose sin, pay attention and like be intentional because you need to make the best use of your time and do not be foolish. So I think this is going to look different for each of us. And um, like for some of us, it might mean like not saying yes to one more thing because it would take away from time from your family or, mm-hmm. you know, time from discipleship or other things that you may be doing. But, you know, it, it might mean like taking a break from social media because that causes darkness in your heart or foolishness or um, shame or just different things that might rise up in you and just really taking a chance to pay attention and use discernment and then like be intentional with what you feel like God is asking you, you to do. And so, um, maybe, maybe that's a good place for you to kind of just stop and think like, where am I just kind of going because I've always been going and like, Mm -hmm. where am I not really paying attention or being intentional with this aspect of my life or something like that? When you said walk carefully, it made me think I am a big ankle turner like I turn my ankles all the time half Uh since I was little and when I'm not paying attention like at camp last year I was walking through the woods Mm -hmm. and I was like looking down at my phone and I sprained my ankle walking (laughs) through the woods um like probably about a month ago I sprained my ankle in the target parking I mean not target Walmart parking lot because (laughs) I wasn't paying attention where I was going I was watching my kids and my niece and I fell into a pothole yeah so like That is a really good example to me. Like walk carefully, like pay attention to where you're stepping, to how you're walking, because Mm -hmm. you're going to fall down if you don't. Right. So to me, that's That's a real practical Practical. thing because I see it all the time. And then in the fall, I did the same thing. I stepped on an acorn and twisted (laughs) my ankle. Like it happens all the time. And every time it's because I'm just not paying Paying attention. attention. Mm -hmm. I'm not paying attention. It's my own clumsiness. But (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, the last part of verse 18 through 20. 20 says, but be filled with the, with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is the part that 
actually stood out to Cadence. Mm. And that wouldn't surprise most of you if you know her mm-hmm. because she's all about singing and songs and melodies yeah. and she reads the Psalms all the time. And so she liked this part a lot. Yeah, I feel like this was kind of like a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. after like, don't do, don't do don't this, do. don't yeah. want stay awake, pay attention. And then it's like, and address one another in psalms and spiritual yeah. songs and making melody with your heart and giving thanks. And, you know, I think it's funny that he keeps having to remind them to have Thanksgiving and to give yeah. thanks. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that should automatically happen because we're focused on what the Lord has done for us, but it doesn't automatically happen all the time because we're mm-hmm. so like self-reflective and self-absorbed. And so it it's kind of comforting to me that they also needed reminding to give thanks for sure for, for sure. everything for to everything God. yes yeah. and it says be filled with the spirit we saw earlier um in ephesians that we are sealed with mm-hmm. the spirit and i thought this was interesting because being sealed with the spirit is a once and for all thing like it happens once you're sealed forever it's done yeah but being filled with the spirit is something different and it it happens continually. You get more and more filled and it's kind of that process of sanctification. And I was thinking about how are you filled with the spirit? And I was just thinking once again about going back to spending time in the word, Mm -hmm. spending time in prayer. But I like the contrast between, okay, you're sealed one time, but you're continually filled. Yeah, that's cool. So we're going to reread chapter verse 20. I keep saying chapter. Why do I keep doing that? Uh, Verse 21, because I think a lot of people misread this when it comes into the next few verses. So verse 21 says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So some people interpret this um, as like wives need to submit to their husbands, husbands need to submit to their wives. Everybody needs to submit to each other. But through my personal study, I found that that's not exactly um, the way to interpret it, it's actually kind of a preface for the section to come. So it's saying submit to one another in these ways that I am telling you the Lord has designed for submission to take place. And then Paul goes on to explain. Like I said, some people interpret this differently, but this is what I've found to be the most, most faithful interpretation of that verse. Um, when he talks about, you know, wives submit to your husbands and he talks about children to their parents and, and so on. So remember that we need to view this through the lens of the first two verses Mm -hmm. saying like we were supposed to live in love like Christ has loved for us, like giving ourselves up. Um, So we're going to kind of work through this next passage. If you know where we're going with this or if you've read ahead or if you know this passage, there's a lot of like kind of um, emotions or baggage that might be stirred or affected through these verses. But we're going to try to really read them like we say on here a lot of times, like try to read them not with an agenda, Mm -hmm. try to read them like really seeking to know what it looks like for us to love like Christ loved us in these ways that, um, that Paul's going to talk about. Anything else you want to say about that Mm -hmm. before we gather? Nope. It's good. Okay. So, um, the first, so verse 22, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Says we don't have the verses marked on here. Sorry. (laughs) We have it on our notes. Um, it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. We're going to stop right there for a second. Yeah. So a uh, quick note. I um, love marriage. I love talking about marriage. I love my marriage. I want everybody to have a marriage that is designed the way that God um, has it designed, that is flourishing, that is, you know, putting the gospel on display and experiencing it the way that God wants it to be experienced. And I think in order to do that, we kind of have to leave any pride or entitlement at the door and really seek to know what this God who is a God of love and is a God of grace and is a God of kindness and order. Like, how does he want us to, to live in our marriages? And that first verse says, wives submit to your own husbands um, as to the Lord. So we're seeking here to see what is, what is God's beautiful design for us to live out the gospel in our marriages. 
And uh, I like how John Stott says, there is nothing demeaning about this. For her submission is not to be an unthinking obedience to his rule, but rather a grateful acceptance Ooh. of his care. <gasps> and I good. love that. When we when we live this out, as we're going to read, when we live this out the way it's designed, then, then that's the response we yeah, should have. A grateful good. acceptance to his care. Mm, so good. moving on to verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, um, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Be because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There's a lot in there, but we felt like it was beneficial to read straight through it, to get it all out there, and then break it down. So I will say right here, it's easy for our first response to kind of be like evaluating how well our husbands are living this this out before we kind of take into account how well we're living this out. But let's try to like take that thought captive and focus just on the on the scripture for now. So in order for us to truly understand this passage, we kind of need to get like we talked about for kind of some cross referencing or um, taking it back in grounding it in some other scripture. And we can do that by looking all the way back to the beginning. Um, we've talked about this passage before in Genesis 2. Um, but if we turn there, Genesis 2, starting in verse 18, we can um, see God's good design and order that we are now talking about later in Ephesians. So in starting in verse um, 18 of chapter 2 of Genesis, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man shall be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is at last bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. So we're going to just focus on that first phrase in chapter... Um, Two, verse 18, it says, I will make a helper fit from him. And this word helper is um, the Hebrew word ezer. Is that how you say it? I think so. E-Z-E-R. And actually throughout the Bible, the most common way that we see this form of helper, ezer, used is actually to describe God helping us, helping his mm -hmm. people. Um, if you want to look some of those up, there's Exodus 18.4, Deuteronomy 33.7, Psalms 33.20, and, and there's more. But I thought that was like super fascinating mm -hmm. fact because yeah. like you were saying, it, it shows that submission is not a negative. It can't right. be a negative. No. It talks about God doing it. No. No. So I thought, I thought that was a really um, super helpful point mm -hmm. to learn that it can't be, it can't be a negative thing. Um, and we see that if we are a helper fit for him, for our husband, it cannot be in inferior because then that would be saying God is inferior for, for helping us. 
So, um, so what does it mean then that our created purpose, um, all the way back to the beginning is as a helper? So we've, and we've done a whole, we did a whole series on marriage. Um, and so we've talked about a lot of this in depth and we used this quote back then too, because it really just sums it up so well. Um, Matt Chandler says that the man and the woman were created unique by God, both in the image of God, equal in dignity, value, and worth. That's so important. Mm -hmm. But they have been meant to complement one one another, not compete against one another. The weaknesses of the one are strengthened by the strengths of the other, and the strengths of the other one are made even stronger by the strengths of the other. There is a complementarian relationship where men are being men and women are being women. If that happens, then you have the type of human flourishing the Bible commends, that if we'd be willing to walk into it, our joy might increase, God's glory might be seen all the more brightly, and all of our hearts would be satisfied in him. And so that just sums it all up so well. And I think it's really important, like I I stressed as I was reading it, both in the image of God, equal in dignity, value, Mm -hmm. and worth. Mm But we do have different roles. Yeah. Um, and and we are meant to complement each other. And I just always think like, what if we were exactly the same? Like, what if our yeah. roles were the same? Like, think about a marriage like that. There'd be a lot of fighting. There would no, be a that's lot that's your job. Of fighting. No, that's your job. Yes. <laughs> and so thinking of this complementarian relationship where we truly like complement each other, that makes so much more sense yeah. Yeah. than this than this relationship where we have the same roles mm-hmm. and we're just butting heads yeah. all the time. Yeah, I agree. And I love how we talked about this last week of how um it was also Chandler that said it last week <laughs> that <laughs> you know, these, these thou shalls and thou shall nots and these roles that have been created for us are for our joy. Like he mm-hmm. says right there at the end, it's so that our joy might increase and God's, God's glory, glory might be seen all the more brightly. And that's kind of the purpose of our life. Right. And so this is just another way that we can live out the gospel. And like we've talked about, it's God's grace and his kindness to kind of give us, um, these boundaries and, and, um, he said it was King David that says, you know, the boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places and it might not always Mm. feel pleasant, like especially in marriage, like sometimes it's hard to humbly, you know, lay down your desire and your will. But like we see where it's talking about to live like Christ, like sometimes that's sacrificially. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we should just for a second, like think about what would our life look like if we really lived this way? And what if we just like, just for one day or for one week really tried to live like Christ in love like Christ, like he says in those first couple verses, but specifically in our marriages, if you're married, um, to, you know, to live in this design where we are submitting to our husband's leadership in, in a way that is, you know, healthy and biblical, not in a never in sin or anything like that, but, um, just really seeking to put others before ourselves and even, even in submission, which, you know, is, I think is the hardest part. Yeah. Think about how many people would see Christ through mm-hmm. that. Like mm-hmm. that's why I get so excited about display. marriage. Yes. It is the gospel on display right there. Absolutely. And that, you know, he talks about a lot, um, how this is a picture of Christ in the church mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the, the husband is to be the head of the marriage as Christ is the head of the church. Yep. And then, but the husband is also, 
supposed to, it even uses the word savior in here, Mm -hmm. meaning that the husband should self-sacrifice himself. And I was reading somewhere that said, really? I mean, we think our jobs where it says submit is hard. Uh Really? The husband has the the hardest job. Just lay your life down for your wife. Yes. He's supposed to sacrifice Mm -hmm. um, for his wife. And so submitting to that is just kind of like what we've been talking about. It's kind of like a reaction to, to this, um, relationship. Yeah. And, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say he, you know, we, we see this word mystery again, which we've been talking about a lot in Ephesians and he says this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. And so, you know, it's kind of this strange analogy of, you know, Christ in the church and marriage and which one is he actually talking about? Which one Mm -hmm. is he relating to the other one? And, and so I think, you know, as we're talking about here, as this is a way for us to live this out, he's reminding us the reason that we're living this out is because we're to be a reflection of Christ and the church. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, that's why marriage is so important and such a gift because we have the honor of displaying that of Christ Mm -hmm. and his church through our marriages. Yep. That beautiful picture. So what do we do? Uh, Is it saying that we should just live this out if our husband's doing his part? No. And see, this is where it gets tricky because it's like, okay, well, I can do this if if my husband is like like that verse Casey read at the beginning, like loving and caring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he's doing that. But, you know, this is not... um, Something where we get to just say, this is not a contract. We're like, you're not living up your part. I don't have to live up my part. What it says at the beginning in verses one and two, and it says to love yourself sacrificially and to give yourself up. And and Jesus wasn't like, well, I'm only going to die on the cross for you if you then Mm, obey me in these ways. And so as much as it's, you know, sometimes hard and painful and long suffering and um, difficult to live in this way when your husband is not living in the way that, um, that he, you know, according to the scripture should be, it doesn't mean that you just like wait around for him to do that. Oh, you're, you don't just like wait around until he is worthy of your respect. It's a, we're still called to obedience regardless. And, um, that, that I think is the hard part. And we talk about that back in the marriage yes. episodes. Yes. So if you yeah. want to go back and listen to those, we talk about that a little bit more, but that's a good point. Casey is like, we're called to live in obedience. Just like, like if you took that with another aspect like we're called to be humble but we can't just say well I'm only going to be humble if those people are humble. right right mm-hmm. so and yeah. it's never okay for your husband to lead you into sin Correct. though so Correct. that's kind of where we draw the line yeah. or where yeah I think Paul and God would right. draw the line um right. and also abuse like don't hear us wrong like if there's any sort sort of abuse yeah. going on of course um that needs to be addressed um but it says in first peter 3 1 through 6 it says likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word they may be won without a word by the con- conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct don't let your adorning be external the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting their to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Yeah, man, there's so much in there, yeah. like the whole um, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit mm-hmm. in which in God's sight is very precious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's that gentle word again. Yep. Yep. Gentle keeps Conviction coming up. Conviction right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> I think that my favorite, and I think I talked about this quote in, in our marriage series, but my favorite thing that I've read about submission is that it's it's not like a list of do's or don'ts. Mm-hmm. It's more about um, a 
oh shoot what was the word piper uses a demeanor or a yeah um, yeah yeah i think that's a disposition right. disposition mm-hmm. yeah and so it's it's more of we yeah. can't get into too much of this because i could talk about this all day but go back <laughs> and listen to the marriage episodes yeah but you know it's more of just like having that attitude than mm-hmm. it is saying like i'm not allowed to say these words yes, or i'm not yeah. allowed to say my not opinion and like that's not that's yeah. not it at all it's more yeah. of a disposition like talking about in that first peter verse like as sarah obeyed abraham like she she laid herself down in her plan down and and obeyed Abraham because Abraham was obeying the Lord and so she was able to submit to the Lord Mm -hmm. by submitting to to Abraham so anyways one just little challenge we'll leave you with at the end of this episode is if you are married um Maybe something stood out to you from that marriage passage. If you're not married or even if you are married, but something else stood out to you, try not to like just listen to this and then move on with the rest of your day, go back to doing your dishes, whatever you're doing. Um, But to really like allow the Holy Spirit to highlight something to you and then ask him, like spend some time in prayer, like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Like maybe there's, you know, a decision that you could submit to your husband in, or maybe there's a way that you can, you know, like we talked at the beginning, the different four different aspects we talk about how Jesus loves sacrificially and grace and truth and joyfully, you know, like where's a a place where the Lord is really asking you to kind of focus on this week and, and really to grow in. Okay, so next week we're going to give you a big challenge um, to memorize, or I guess for this week, a big challenge to memorize um, the whole section of the armor of God. So it is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Um, so I'm going to challenge myself to do Me it too. too. So Me let's too. see if we can do it. Okay. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. Beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs. 